The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily express those held by this station or its advertisers and are strictly the opinions held by those contributing to the show. Welcome to the Eric Little High School Football Podcast, your home for news, discussion, and opinions about high school football in the Mid-Ohio Valley. And now, here's your host, Eric Little. Welcome inside another edition of the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. I am the namesake. Happy to have you with us once again for Season 4, Episode 11, or at least halfway through the season. Hard to believe at this point. Of course, we're well over halfway past the regular season. We've got the postseason episodes as well, so this show's going to roll on into December of this year as it does every year. Like us on Facebook if you haven't already, the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. Download us there and or on SoundCloud. New episodes drop every Wednesday. Again, this is a podcast about high school football in the Mid-Ohio Valley. we got a lot to talk about recapping last week's St. Mary's Williamstown matchup. I will also take a look at games to watch the rest of the season. I was going to say five games to watch the rest of the season. Then I did some digging and I realized there are a lot more games with playoff implications. Huge games coming up down the line. So we want to take a look at those and kind of prepare ourselves for those in the closing weeks of the regular season. Looking at the big win in St. Mary's last week, Williamstown rallied past the Blue Devils to pick up a 17-13 win over St. Mary's. St. Mary's done in by three turnovers, and they really couldn't seem to get out of their own way in the second half. As I said, Williamstown had the takeaway battle 3-1. to one. They won the takeaway battle. Mental lapses for St. Mary's and some turnovers. St. Mary's had the ball inside the five, turned it over as their red zone offense continues to struggle. They had another giveaway, which turned into points when Williamstown gashed St. Mary's for what ended up being the go-ahead score. By and large, I thought St. Mary's looked pretty good against Williamstown and looked like one of the better teams in the state. To be honest, I did not have St. Mary's in my Metro News Top 10 in my vote coming into this week, but I put them at 10th even with a loss just because of how they looked in this game. They looked like they were maybe not as good as Williamstown, but they looked like they could play with a Top 10 team in the state. There were some people that said to me that they thought St. Mary's was the better team Friday, and I'm not so sure I agree with that, but I also am not so sure I disagree with it either. The reason I say I don't agree with it is because we don't really know what impact Trevor Oates would have had in the second half. His injury late in the first half kept him out of the game in the second half, so would they have closed a little bit better in the second half with a healthy Trevor Oates in the lineup? However, St. Mary's was keeping Williamstown in check even with Oates in the ball game. That was a 7-7 game until the final play of the second quarter when Williamstown kicked that go-ahead field goal to take a 10-7 lead in the half. St. Mary's jumped out to a 13-10 lead early in the second half until Williamstown grabbed the lead right back following a St. Mary's turnover. It really seemed like if St. Mary's could get a lead into the fourth quarter once it was 17-13 if they could get the lead back at 20-17 then they might have been able to hold that lead the way their defense played but that's not what happened love much more on that one later Tara Malone was at that game covering the game for Metro News and he'll have his thoughts on it as well Hurricane outscored PHS 21-8 in the second half on their way to a 42-30 win that was a toss-up game for PHS and one that Bill Marshall and I know on countdown to kickoff both thought last week that they really needed to have they didn't get it PHS led at the half it was back and forth in that second half until Hurricane pulled away to a 12-point victory. Both teams had three turnovers, a really sloppy performance. Bryson Singer got maybe more touches than I think he's been able to get any other time this season. Between his running and between his receiving, he had 28 touches for 176 total yards and three touchdowns.
touchdowns, also threw the ball a couple times. So PHS is doing a good job of getting the ball in his hands, and he's been effective too. 148 of those yards on the ground. He had five catches. They're finding him with a football, but that is not a team as beat up as they are that's going to be able to afford three turnover nights uh, really very often throughout the season. So they come in at two and four, four games left over the season's final five weeks, and it's at South Charleston, the defending state champions next week. They're open, and then looking at it from here on out, three of their final four games are away from Stadium Field. And you have to think that again in the playoffs, they have to go a minimum of three and one to get in. So things not looking the best for PHS. They've been beat up by a number of things, whether it's COVID, whether it's injuries, a little bit of both, numbers, but you get to a point of the season where you can't afford to slip up in the toss-up games, the 50-50 games that you might have, you might not have. you got to go out and get those, and unfortunately for PHS, they weren't able to do that. Brooke handed Marietta their second straight loss. Tigers fell 30-21. to There are a few teams that did not fare so well this week. Magnolia was in a back-and-forth barn burner with Union Local, and Union Local goes to 5-1 and with a 26-23 win over Magnolia. That was nip and tuck all the way throughout. Payton City dropped their second straight. The Wildcats fell 44-13 to Calhoun County. They were supposed to play twice this week. They were going to play Trinity on Wednesday, but they're not able to do that because they just didn't have the numbers to come back on short rest after playing Calhoun on Friday. Joey Barker for Payton said he had 22 carries for 181 yards and two touchdowns. Not shabby work in the losing effort. It wasn't all bad for area teams. Ritchie County had a bounce-back win. They defeated Ravenswood 53-28. It did not appear as though Ritchie had Gus Morrison, but no Gus Morrison, no problem. Brandon Riddle ran 11 times for 69 yards and a touchdown, also returned a punt for touchdown, and the Rebels got two touchdowns from Marlon Moore. The Rebels survived three turnovers, so no Gus Morrison, and not even their best effort, but they survived against 0-6 Ravenswood. The Rebels go to 4-1 with that 53-28 win. River got a bounce-back win as well. They put up 58 points in a win over Belpre, so it wasn't all bad for area teams. And to get to some news now that dropped after we released the pod last week, Parkersburg South did not play against Bridgeport because of some COVID issues at South. We found out a few hours after we dropped the podcast on Wednesday. Parkersburg South looks like their next scheduled game will be against Morgantown on the 15th, on October 15th, but I've been told that if Preston County cancels on Bridgeport, South is going to play Bridgeport Friday night, so we don't know for sure as we talk to you now whether or not South and Bridgeport will play, but if Preston County backs out and Bridgeport is open, then South on their bye week this week will play Bridgeport Friday to make up the game that was postponed from last week because of South's COVID issues. So that's at least what we do know about when the pay Patriots will play. They really needed to get that one in against Bridgeport. If it does not get made up, it will go down as a forfeit for Parkersburg South. Bridgeport played East Fairmont last week in an exhibition. They already took a forfeit earlier this year against Buchanan. I'm sure they would like to play as many as they can. You can play 10. If for some reason you have to take a forfeit, but you want to play another week, you can schedule the game as an exhibition. And sometimes those games count as exhibitions for one team, and they don't for other teams. It's crazy how that works. There's a lot to get into there, and I don't have the acumen or the rules savvy to know exactly how that lays out. I just know this. If South does not make up the game against Bridgeport, that will go as a forfeit loss. Bridgeport played last week against East Fairmont in a game that was an exhibition for them. So the best possible result for South is that they get to play this week, and then they can play the rest of the schedule as planned, and they're pushed to go to the playoffs this year. Stay connected with us on Facebook. Like our page, the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. While you're there, 
feel free to share your comments or questions. Eric will get to those on a future edition of the show. Let's go between the hash marks and take a deeper look at St. Mary's Williamstown. Here are the five things that I looked at. I watched most of that game on television. Here are the five things that I saw that stuck out to me about that one. We forget that Williamstown quarterback Max Molesa is only a sophomore. He had to lead the rushing attack in that game after they lost Trevor Oates to injury, but Molesa has made good decisions throwing the ball, good decisions running the ball all season long. He is just a sophomore, and much like what I've seen this year in Parkersburg South, Robert Shockey, you go to make a comment about him, and you have to back up for a second and realize, wait a minute, this kid's only 14 or 15 years old. They certainly don't play like it, both Melissa and Shockey. Melissa's future only projects to get better, and Jody Moat commented about this last week. Melissa is a very, very highly recruited and highly sought-after baseball player as well, so if he stays and plays two more seasons of varsity football, that's a coup for Williamstown because they've got a very elite athlete in Max Melissa. Hopefully they can keep him on the field in both those sports for the next couple years. Speaking of Trevor Oates, his injury had a big impact. Would Williamstown, as I said earlier, have been able to close out that game a little easier? I have to think they probably would have closed out that second half a little bit better against St. Mary's if there were more options in the backfield. Ricky Allen got some carries as well to kind of spell Max Melissa, but another threat and Oates would have been a huge, huge get and a huge, huge thing for Williamstown to have. I think St. Mary's is closer to being, maybe not what they were last year, but closer to being one of the state's elite Class A teams than many think. There's no question about their defense right now is one of the best in Class A, especially that defensive line. But there were glimmers of hope in that offense. There's some things that they're doing that you have to like. Josh Roush as a running back has been talked about all season long on Countdown to Kickoff by John Mike Nichols, our Light Rock 93R lead analyst and with good reason. He had a strong game and they've got an offensive weapon in Luke Powell. We'll get to him in just a minute. But anybody who writes St. Mary's off is making a mistake but they have a hellacious schedule the rest of the season and that's going to be St. Mary's biggest obstacle over these final five games. So two and three now. Their bye week is already in the rearview mirror. St. Mary's will go on the road this week to play Wirt County and Wirt's been struggling the last couple weeks but they've been good by and large this season and they're a playoff team from a year ago. So you know they're motivated and they know what it takes to win. And then they'll host Magnolia, a team that's always tough, a program that's always tough, and a team that had some COVID issues earlier this season. They bounced back from that, but they just can't seem to get back to their winning ways. They very much had the goal of playoffs in their sights at the beginning of the season. A home game against South Harrison, that one pretty much is what it is. And then in the second to last week of the season, Halloween weekend, St. Mary's will make the long trip to East Hardy to play the 5-0 East Hardy Club that is near the top of about every metric in Class A. That is not going to be an easy one. Never easy to make that trip to Baker, but to do it in the regular season. Ugh, that's not fun for St. Mary's. And if they survive all of that, they still have Tyler consolidated in Week 11 in a game that may decide a playoff spot for one of those two teams. That's not a gauntlet that you want to see in any situation, especially not when you come in at 2-3. and three. St. Mary's has alternated wins and losses. They would like to build some consistency. And maybe what's frustrating for St. Mary's is how close some of these losses are. The Roan County loss in the season opener was 6 points. This was 4. You're 10 points away from being at 4-1, and one, which just some solace, I'm sure, for St. Mary's, but not what you'd like to have when you're looking at your record and looking at your chances to go to the playoffs. In Class A, uh, with five games left, St. Mary's conceivably needs to go 3-2 and two at worst, if not 4-1, and one, to get into the postseason. 
but record aside, if you're looking at them from the eye test, they definitely look like they're closer than many people think to putting it all together. St. Mary's has Luke Powell at quarterback. He's an offensive weapon, but he's a big dude. He's 6'4", which had me wondering every time I watch this on television, why is he going under center? And that's not a commentary on Luke Powell. That is a commentary on St. Mary's for putting him under center. He's practically in a catcher's crouch. It takes him longer to get out of that crouch than it would for a running back to get a handoff out of the shotgun and go toward the line, because that's an argument I had with my brother about this. I said, why does he need to go under center? And his response was, if you put him out of the gun, then you're starting your running back and your quarterback that much farther behind the line of scrimmage. So what if I've got to wait for my quarterback to pop out of that crouch and go under center, which, by the way, is going to wreck his knees, if not this season or next season. At some point down the road, his knees are going to feel that. I feel like the fumble in the red zone was directly a result of the fact he's got to pop up out of that under center look. But I think that offense would flow so much better if you just put him in the gun. If they've got plays they can't run unless he's under center, fine. Scrap those plays or change them around to where you can run them when he's out of the gun. But you got a guy that's 6'4", 6'5". Why do you even mess with him under center? It's just so clunky and unwieldy and that takes so much time. And that's not a Luke Powell criticism. That is a criticism of St. Mary's coaching staff to not recognize what they've got and adapt to that situation. I feel like it just takes so much longer to get him out of that catcher's crouch than it would if you just have him park back there in a gun and then sling it around quick release or hand it off to somebody. Either way, that's going to be the best floor for that offense. And the final takeaway, St. Mary's has got to stop shooting themselves in the foot when it comes to turnovers, when it comes to red zone issues. Another fumble inside the red zone, another fumble inside the five-yard line. That's exactly what they did in that loss to Roan. They did that twice against Roan. They did that against Williamstown. They turned it over later on when Josh Roush had the ball stripped from him near midfield, and on the very next play, Williamstown scored what ended up being the go-ahead touchdown of the game. And this is not a loss you can pin on one guy or one play, but the mistakes pile up. Three turnovers for St. Mary's. You can't turn the ball over against good teams and expect to win and expect to survive those and dodge those bullets every time. So for St. Mary's, it's not like this hasn't been an issue in big games throughout the year, but they've just got to stop shooting themselves in the foot and being their own worst enemy in the clutch spots. Taron Malone covered that game. He's going to give us his thoughts on Williamstown St. Mary's Plus. He'll give us his thoughts on games to watch the rest of the season. Taron? Well, Eric, we had a thriller last week in Pleasance County as the St. Mary's Blue Devils hosted the Williamstown Yellow Jackets. Both teams really had trouble offensively throughout most of the game. However, St. Mary's had the opportunity to put this thing away and really get a quality win over Williamstown. You have to give both teams a lot of credit defensively though from this game as well. Many originally thought this game would be a lopsided matchup. However, it ended up being a classic rivalry game from Class A. Williamstown now has won four straight games in a row and the Yellow Jackets now sit at four and one. Meanwhile, the St. Mary's Blue Devils now dropped at two and three with playoff implications on the line for most of these remaining games for the Blue Devils. And this week, Eric, I am taking a look at games not only in class single A, but in class triple A as well that will impact the playoff picture later on down the road in the next few weeks. Some games that we're keeping our eyes on, and this is based off the recent WVSSAC playoff ratings. Number 26, St. Mary's. At number one, East Hardy, Williamstown taking on Doddridge County, and then a pair of number seven seeds so far due to the tied points system, Gilmer County and Richmond.
Ritchie County, both at number seven right now in the quad single A playoff picture. Number 38, Magnolia taking on number 17, Tyler Consolidated. It's a rivalry game, Eric, and that game went both ways last year as Magnolia won that contest 22-14. We move forward to class AAA now. Number 20, Morgantown taking on number 13, Parkersburg South. That was a look at some games that will impact the playoff picture in the next following weeks to come. We'll now move forward to our local games of the week. 1-3 Buffalo taking on a 3-2 Tyler Consolidated squad. Tyler Consolidated has won three straight games in a matter of four weeks. Can the Silver Knights improve to 4-2? This sets up a really good matchup with Williamstown next week if Tyler Consolidated can get a quality win over Buffalo. Myself and Travis Heinzman will have coverage on this game game between Buffalo and Tyler Consolidated Friday night starting at 6.45 p.m. on WRSG, the new Knights 91.5. And finally, my last local game of the week, 2-3 St. Mary's at 3-3 Wirt County. This game will have playoff implications on the line as well. If one of these two squads picks up a win, it helps their chances into the field of top 16. With a loss, however, it will knock them towards the bottom half of the bracket, if not out of the bracket. And finally, Finally, Eric, statewide games of the week this week. In class single A, 3-1 James Monroe at 4-1 Greenbrier West. In class double A, 4-1 Scott at 4-2 Logan. And in a class double A and class triple A matchup, 2-1 Oak Glen at 3-1 Brook. That was a review of Williamstown and St. Mary's, a look at games with playoff implications on the line, and our games of the week as well. From across the state of West Virginia, I'm Metro News correspondent Terry Malone. Eric, back to you. Thanks, Taryn. And he brings up a great point about the defenses in St. Mary's Williamstown. Both teams play great defense. And I even talked about that, I think, a couple weeks ago about Williamstown. As much as we talk about offense and the running game and especially the backfield with Williamstown, this might particularly be a year that we need to talk about the defenses, and that might be the unit that takes center stage there. And for St. Mary's, that defensive line has been a subject of conversation on this program and countdown to kickoff throughout the year. But again, a great ball game in St. Mary's between two Class A rivals, and they both proved why they they need to be in the conversation for the Class A title in 2021. I also had Taryn share some games that he's watching and games he's keeping an eye on that have playoff implications, not just this week, but for the rest of the season. And that's something that I want to do as well. I come up with the idea of doing a top five games to watch, but I think there are seven games. I came up with seven games on this list to watch the rest of the season. A lot of times we look at the schedule at the beginning of the season, and I started thinking, you know, right now there are probably games that at the beginning of the year we probably attach some importance to that now don't have as much importance, whereas there are probably some games that we did not think would be necessarily as important early in the year that now, when you look at the schedule, when you look at things now, have vital importance to the playoff pictures of all the teams involved. Mine are not going to come up for a few weeks, so these are going to come up the last three weeks of what's the West Virginia regular season and the last week of the Ohio regular season. And the games I'm watching, the seven I've got my eye on, it starts with October 22nd. you got two regular season finales between River and and Frontier and Warren at Marietta. This is the end of the regular season in Ohio. Again, Ohio's season has 10 games. It now starts a week earlier than West Virginia's and it ends two weeks earlier because Ohio does not have the bye week where West Virginia does. West Virginia plays 10 games in 11 weeks, Ohio 10 and 10, but Ohio starts a week earlier so it now ends two weeks earlier as compared to one in years past so they can fit an extra round of the playoffs in and that's what they're doing now. The playoffs have expanded from eight teams to 16. You remember last year they had a six game regular season, then anybody who wanted into the playoffs could opt in, and they just made a big bracket.
Connecticut, and they went from there. Well, now it's the top 16, so that puts a lot of teams in playoff contention and near playoff contention that would not otherwise be and that have not been used to being in playoff contention, quite frankly, in recent years. Let's take a look at River and Frontier as they enter this week at 7-8 and eight in the Ohio Division 7 Region 27 rankings. Frontier sits at 7, River at 8. What that would have done in the past, it would have put River in the first round against Shadyside and Frontier in the first round against Newark Catholic, the top two seeds. If this holds out and the season were to end today, Frontier would get a much more favorable 7-10 matchup and they'd actually host a home game, although it is against Monroe Central, a team that's been a traditional power. It doesn't really mean it's an easier road for River either as uh, they would host Caldwell in a playoff opener if the season ended right now. So Frontier and River, when they play on October 22nd, that's going to go a long way to decide playoff seeding and it's probably, if things hold out, there's a good chance that that game decides a home game in the playoffs. So River and Frontier on October 22nd, season finale there, uh, will have a lot at stake. Looking at Division 3, Region 11, Marietta comes in at 20th. Division 4, Region 15, Warren comes in at 14th. So Warren already into the playoffs. Marietta is outside looking in with a couple weeks left. So the Warren-Marietta matchup in the season finale for those schools on October 22nd will play a huge role in deciding whether one or both of those schools gets into the playoffs. I would imagine for Marietta, if they pick up that win, there's a good chance they get close enough to sneak in, whereas Warren might need to get that win to avoid getting knocked out of the playoffs. So, either way, two huge games in Ohio with playoff implications October 22nd. And then the rest of these are West Virginia games, because from here on out, we'll be into the playoffs in Ohio, though I'm sure those games will be very big, don't get me wrong, but again, those matchups, of course, still to be determined. Huge, huge games on October 29th. I have four games off this list on October 29th alone. Ritchie County visits Gilmer County. That's a game that's going to be on the turf at Glenville State College. Gilmer County throws the ball all over the place. Ritchie County has had some trouble defending the run, and they allowed 28 points to a suspect Ravenswood team last week. Does Gilmer try to run the ball? Is Gilmer able to find some things over the middle against Ritchie County through the passing game that maybe other teams didn't? Can Ritchie County defend the edges and keep Gilmer's speed in? Those teams both might be playing for playoff positioning because Ritchie County will have just come off a tough game against Wart the week before. Williamstown hosts Doddridge County, and again, that's a matchup of Class A supremacy. Those are two teams in the top five in the Metro News Power Rankings, and they probably will still be in the top five of the Power Rankings by October 29th. We're going to know a lot about how for real both those teams are, and again, Williamstown's schedule is oh so rugged down the stretch. This might be a must-win game for Parkersburg South, but they'll go on the road to play Wheeling Park at Wheeling Island Stadium. They don't have an easy go of it either. Morgantown, Cabell Midland, Parkersburg South, and Princeton, their final four games. As they come in now, they're at three and two, forfeit possibly pending against Bridgeport. They may need to go two and two, if not three and one, in that final four to get into the playoffs. And then PHS, very much the same. They're two and four now. They'll have George Washington at home in their final home game of the season at Stadium Field on October 29th. That will be a game they need to win. Again, they lost to Hurricane this week to make them two and four. Got to have that one. Got to have that one, especially with South Charleston coming this week. I would think they need to win all of their final three to get into the playoffs. And then November 5th, St. Mary's hosts Tyler Consolidated. St. Mary's comes in at 2-3 and three this week. Tyler Consolidated is on a crusade right now. They are a red-hot team. They don't have an easy go of it later on the year. they got a rivalry matchup coming up with Magnolia, as Taryn said. they got Williamstown on their schedule later. So things get tougher for them as they've had some wins in a row here, and they got a good running game that's going to get tested this week as they take on Buffalo to start a three-game homestand. But that might be a game where the winner gets into the playoffs and the loser does not. Might be two teams fighting for one playoff spot. That's November 5th. So the games I've got on my calendar, October 22nd, River at Frontier, 
Warren at Marietta, October 29th, Ritchie at Gilmer, Doddridge at Williamstown, South at Wheeling Park, George Washington at PHS, and November 5th, Tyler Consolidated at St. Mary's. As we sit right now, early October, those might be games that all have playoff implications and decide the playoff fortunes of the teams involved. It's light scheduled this week on Seven Ranges Radio. No Parkersburg South game this week as we sit now as we release the show, though it's hard to tell in the era of COVID if that changes or not. This time last week we thought they were going to go to Bridgeport, but that didn't end up happening. We do have Light Rock 93R, which has a huge game between St. Mary's and Wirt County. Wirt County comes in at 3-3, three and three, St. Mary's at 2-3. and three. This is essentially a playoff game involved because Wirt County got off to a hot start this year, but they've lost three of their last four games, and St. Mary's has not really found consistency alternating wins and losses this season. Though two of their losses, Roan County and Williamstown, are by a combined 10 points. They're not getting blown out of the water by most teams either, but definitely would like to have a better record than 2-3. and three. Could be as good as 4-1 and one if they get a couple breaks in those games. And then WVAM, the True Oldies Channel, has Parkersburg High School on the road at defending Class AAA State Champion South Charleston. Will be a tough game for the Big Reds coming in off a loss against Hurricane. They're 2-4. and four. They've got a bye week next week to heal up and get ready for the final three. And if they don't get this one, they'll need to win, you'd think, all three of those to get into the playoffs. Though that is possible, there are very winnable games at the end of the schedule. Riverside, George Washington, and Musselman, though two of those three are on the road, as this week's is as well. My games of the week in the area. We talked about St. Mary's and Wark County. Definitely one that both of those teams have to have. How about Williamstown on the road at Weir? Weir is a class double-A team and a team that's battled some COVID issues earlier this year. Not only has Williamstown won four straight, as Taryn mentioned, they've also won four straight against St. Mary's. So that class can say that they never lost a game to their rival St. Mary's. They're going to take that pride and that high and roll on up to Weir this week and see if they can't take on a tough test with the Weir Red Riders. And then Magnolia and Frontier. Magnolia missed some time because of COVID, but they've come back and they fought hard in two games. Losses, I believe, to Monroe Central and Union Local. Especially Union Local. That was a back-and-forth game last week. Dave Chapman's squad, they're hungry. They're ready for the playoffs. They had that as a goal at the beginning of the year, and they feel in a lot of ways, I think, like their season may be slipping away from them. They're going to try to defend that against a team they beat last year, the 4-1 and Frontier Cougars, a team that's also missed some time with COVID issues or other teams' COVID issues. So Magnolia and Frontier facing off. If you're Russ Morris and Frontier, you got to defend the letdown in that game because Frontier lost to Magnolia last year, and they're well aware of that, despite the fact that a lot of those players in last year's team don't return for Frontier, but they know what Magnolia is capable of, and Magnolia likewise knows Frontier is a good ball club, and they come in at 4-1, and one, they are ripe for the picking as well. So this has all the shapings of being a really good matchup this week. Not the deepest schedule of good games. We said looking down the calendar, that October 29th slate looks absolutely prime for some huge matchups and some huge games. And hopefully it stays that way as we get down the season. But the ones that are good this week are really, really good. So enjoy those. want to encourage you all, if you haven't already done so, like us on Facebook at the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. So if you found us, there's a good chance you've already done that. New episodes drop every Wednesday on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts as well. Tell your friends. Share the pod. And we hope to get the word out about the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Next week, we'll have much more to come as we wind down on a regular season and that playoff picture becomes a little clear and comes a little bit more into focus. Taryn will rejoin us once again and we'll chew the fat about some more high school football games next week. Looking forward to it as we got some big ones coming here in the month of October going into November. It should be a fun finish to what's been a competitive season on the field. My name is Eric Little. Thank you for joining us once again for another edition of the podcast. We'll talk to you next week and until then, 
Enjoy the games, everybody. This has been the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and vote in our weekly poll. Come back next week for another new episode, and thanks for listening.